0: everyone has a better understanding of the fish they appreciate more and if they appreciate it more they'll want to look after it so to help everyone and the key to that we found is that visual side.
1: This is fish Tales, a seafood podcast I'm John Sussman. The ocean belongs to all of us bringing the various groups together under one cause is difficult requiring patience and passion in equal measures. Media has an ability to provide not only a window to the world, but a means to glue the various parts of any world together. Al McGlashan had no clue that swapping his corporate job for life on the water would lead him to be one of the most prolific underwater photographers and marine media personalities of all time. Like millions of other Australians, Al fishes from the back of his trailer boat. Unlike the rest of us though, Al does it for about 200 days a year and has earned a global reputation as an angler, photographer and conservationist. Al is as adept at catching a good fish as he is a good photo or snaring a memorable quote as tangling a line. Al's audience stretches around the world. His shows include Fishing with Mates, Strike Zone and he was the creator of the IMAX documentary Life on the Line. He has a global social media following of well over 100,000 writes and provides photography to dozens of weekly articles in several mainstream media channels and works tirelessly as a marine conservationist.
0: Well, basically, I summing it up, just a mad keen fisherman or I suppose waterman these days that i fished all my life as, you know, as a kid and I went to Scotch College down in Melbourne and it's on the banks of the Yarra and I'd take a few extra a little bit of extra time off school and go fishing down the river and to the point where one of the teachers, if I was missing class, would wander down and go, what are you doing? I'd be like, oh, nothing, just uh, just uh, doing my biology lesson, you know. So yeah, and it, just, and it just grew and grew and it's always, you know, like so many, it was my dad that introduced us to the outdoors, to the fishing and hunting and everything and it's just something, you it's in your blood, you can't get rid of it, you know. I decided all I wanted was a, a job in fishing and it took me a little while to sort of work around it and ended up being in media and, and particularly as a photographer because all the things you see as a fisherman be commercial or recreational out in the ocean. no one sort of understood when they're back on shore so I started taking photos and it, it just grew from there the media sort of you know went to books to magazines to you know, TV and of course documentaries it just keeps going and going. It's the best job in the world.
1: There are a myriad of stakeholders in the marine world, from the commercial, recreational and indigenous fishers, to those who use water to grow other things, to those who purely want to surf, splash or observe it. It's fair to say that no one stakeholder is more important than any other. But more than ever before, it is an imperative that all parties can coexist in respect, harmony and a commitment to sustainability. Bringing the motley crew of water users together is no mean feat.
0: Yeah, look, for me, the more time I spent on the water, the more I realised that, you know, there's no doubt the water's changing and, you know, the whole oceans are changing and the more we need to do something. But in the past, it's all the different user groups fighting against each other. And the only way going forward I saw was that everyone needs to work together because we all want the same thing. You know, everyone wants lots of fish in a healthy ocean. It's basically what it is. And while each group has its minor differences, I started to realise that the best thing to do was get recreational guys like it started with me with game fishermen and longliners that were, you know, arch enemies as a kid to get them alongside each and go, look, we've got minor differences, but we both want the same thing. So if we work together, it's going to be better. And that's now growing out, you know, across all boards, even to the point that we want the NGOs starting to come aboard and everyone can start sitting down together. And Life on the Line that we did for the Bluefin was a classic example of that showing that if everyone works together, we can fix everything and make it better. So in the early days, I kept banging on the doors at CSIRO and that, and and no one wanted to tell you anything. Because I I remember as a kid, I was trying to learn about swordfish and going, where are these fish? And they were doing a bit of tagging and stuff in the early days there, and no one wanted to help you. And by chance, I met up with Sean Tracy, who's at IMAS down in Tasmania there, and said, You guys are doing, and we, he started with Bluefin. And I said, You guys are doing this, Bluefin. We need to be promoting this. You need to be filming. I'm doing a show. Let's do it. I'll cover all the costs and find the Bluefin for you. You stick the tags in and let's promote it and show everyone what's happening. And to change it in the old days with science, and, and to a certain degree still, they want to keep it all secret. But you've got to put out there so people can learn from it and you know satellite tagging acoustic tagging all these new new sort of styles of research or electronic research are just invaluable and you engage the public you get the commercial guys the rec guys and the general public interested in it so and they can't if they don't understand it they can't have an interest or a will to look after it. You know, there's no need to protect it if you don't understand it. So that sort of stuff that you can do now is just next level. So now we're starting to look, in the future we put together a a foundation that gets the guys that are keen to get involved because if they get research, they've got to pay a charter or pay. If we can get the guys that are really keen to go out and do the work with them, you can put more money into more tags and learn more about these fish and and get a better understanding, which is better for everyone.
1: If ever there was a fish that best represented all that is wrong with the way we talk about seafood sustainability, the Southern Bluefin Tuna would win the dubious award. Southern Bluefin Tuna is a divisive and misunderstood species. From a place of near extinction to becoming the poster child of species recovery, it is a unique and special fish. The Australian Fisheries Management Authority, or AFMA as it is known, has done an exceptional job of conjuring its remarkable combat against demise. In his documentary feature, Life on the Line, Alex explores the spectacular underwater journey of the southern bluefin tuna, unlocking the secrets of the global migratory species and how its recovery is as much great management as miracle.
0: Well, for me, for the TV side, I was doing, I was making fishing shows which are brand funded and, yeah, you know, they were right. But I wanted to do a documentary and it was interesting because in the early days I was chatting to James Finlay, who was the ex-head of AFMA, and talking about the bluefin and all that. Because as a kid, I never saw a bluefin down in Victoria. I went down to Portland as a kid to do a game fishing tournament and not one bluefin was caught. And they end up canning the tournament. And my old man used to tell me about that he'd go to Birmingham. He never caught yellowfin in the early days. they drive out the front to the birds and catch bluefin. Of course, you know, through the, the 80s and 90s, I never saw a bluefin out there. And just all I did was dream about catching one. And then how they turned around and came back was just, it really inspired me to look at it and go, yeah, now we're catching. I think there was last year or the year before, they were catching 100 kilo bluefin in three different states at the same time, like South Australia, Victoria, and New South Wales, and the commercial guys would catch them, and there were 100 kilo fish in every state. And you go, this is a world-class fisheries that was 20 years ago, didn't exist. So everyone needs a pat on the back to say how amazing it is. You know, it is absolutely phenomenal. And I went, well, why are they back? What's changed so much? And chatting to James and, and the guys that, you know, after all, and seeing how much the fisheries changed and the decisions we made and what we did, sort of inspired me to make it into a, into a into a doco. And man, it took a lot of time. I kept going back to Canberra and going, "Guys, you've got to tell a good story." Like government traditionally don't ever promote what's done right. They always end up letting you know the negatives come out and then fight tooth and nail to prove they're doing something. And, it, it James Finlay was a massive ally. Going, yeah, this is it. And it took us—I think it took me three years to get the funding for it, and then another two and a half years to make it. But getting the commercial guys, and it was a massive for me—a um, massive sort of steep learning curve. Not only make you know, becoming a documentary producer, but seeing the, all the inside stories of you know the commercial fishers and the wreck fishers and the researchers and how that's really led a lot of marine research these days, or, you know, marine management for big pelagic species. And yeah, it's sunny And now you're hearing about guys that are down in Melbourne at the moment catching bluefin out the front. Like, it just gets better and better.
1: Life is precious, whether fish, fowl or beast. Living by the mantra, you kill it, you eat it. Alice has worked tirelessly to ensure that recreational fishers can make the most of their catch if they choose not to release it delivering a level of knowledge, understanding and skill that ensures maximum utilisation of every tuna landed. His Tuna Champions campaign is as imaginative as it is important in the task of teaching every
0: fisherman about
1: sustainability.
0: When I was young, how to catch a big tuna, and particularly let's use bluefin because it's such a classic. I had no idea how to clean it. So we'd sit on the deck and it was only when I went out with longliners that I learnt that you basically have three minutes to process the fish. You've got a gut and gill it and all that. And part of the problem was that there was no education between the different groups. No one told each other. And Sean, Tracy, and that, once we started getting it off the ground, it's about getting everyone involved. So them showing us how to do it, then us showing them. Like the other day I took Shane Ralph, who was one of the longliners on it, who's um, on the life on the line, took him out and caught his first marlin wreck fishing and let it go and he's like oh this is unreal and that's what the crux of the the um tuna champions is about is sharing sharing all the information whether it be the research the data techniques for better you know looking after fish so we minimize our waste because if everyone's involved and everyone shares it's better for the whole fishery and yeah i i can't rave about that that whole idea that campaign enough and tuna is such it's such a finicky thing, you know. If you fight it too long, it's gonna react. It, it's all these things that you so you gotta better understand it. And particularly with with Bluefin where they're coming back and, you know, Rex got a, a lot of flack because they didn't look after them. And it wasn't because we didn't want it, we just didn't know originally. And now, you know, we catch a tuna and it's being processed and iced down. You see all these boats taking tons of ice to sea now, just to look after these fish because they want to do it, which is better because now you don't need as much fish because you're learning the end process that you can take the cheeks out of it. You can scrape, you know, use a spoon to scrape it out along the back, uh, the backbone. You can do all these things. So all of a sudden, you don't need as many fish because we're now maximising on every fish we catch, which is it's just better all round.
1: Without sharks, you take away the apex predator of the ocean, and you destroy the entire food chain. Interestingly, pigs eat more tuna than all the planet's sharks combined. That said, they are one of the most mysterious, misunderstood and downright frightening inhabitants of the ocean.
0: It's funny, I've never been much of a shark fisherman. I just love seeing them. But they're such an important part of the marine environment. And, I mean, we've all heard it before, they're misunderstood ever since Jaws and all that. But I've had some interesting interactions and probably the most famous was up at Port Stephens. Oh, it must be almost several years ago now. And the funny thing is, we were trying to film how to release Marlin better for the Game Fishing Association to show people what you need to do. You know, don't just cut it off, give it time to revive it and do all these things to make sure, to maximise. If you're letting it go, you've got to do it right. So I had the water police on board, I had fisheries on board and a professional deckhand caught this fish. I've jumped in and he was acting a bit funny. You know, he's carrying on a bit at the boat and thought, oh, it's a bit weird. I jumped in, didn't think twice and taking a few photos and, He's sitting right up against the hull, which is odd for a striped marlin. And I've dropped back a bit because I've got this grand idea that I'm going to dive down there, going to release the fish. I'm going to do this great panning shot as it swims off. And as I drop back a bit, this this massive swish of water next to me, like I felt the water move, and I'm only like a metre from this fish. And I've looked, and there's this huge mako attached to it. And it's like, you know that minute where, what the hell's going on? And you get everyone going to you going, why don't you climb the boat? Because there's 650 pounds of mako between me and the boat. The last thing I could do is step on his nose to get back in the boat. you know. And, and the funny thing is that the guys in the boat had no idea. They're still holding it by the bill. And I'm looking underwater going, it is a bloody huge shark. And then look up going, what's going on? No one's reacting. And of course, then then, and it was fascinating to watch. And it, it's one of those things, it's nature in the raw. And it's, it's one of those things you look at and go, I can't believe I got to witness that in the water, you know, as opposed to looking down on it. And at no time was the the shark a threat to me. The only thing he did do was go right in tight against me to prove that he was bigger and, you know, to, to I suppose that subtle wanting to step back a little bit, you know, this is mine, not yours. And you think of it when a shark actually attacks, he's got his eyes rolled back. So he's actually really vulnerable to anything else in the water. And he bit, hit the the marlin mid midship and then moved down to the tail and when he hit the tail just rolled over and snapped the tail off and of course that's when the poor marlin exploded but yeah it was it was one of those experiences and the funny thing is i've never seen it again ever in my life so yeah
1: unlike many other parts of the world most of our rivers streams and lakes do not always have flowing water in them even in the tropics Where water is permanent, large changes in flow regime can significantly alter ecosystems, yet these are the important historical sources of water for people and industry. Freshwater fishing and freshwater fish have long been forgotten, both commercially and recreationally in Australia, yet their importance should not be underestimated.
0: Yeah, freshwater is an interesting one that we can really, you know, we can really evolve. I mean, we really need to look after our rivers a lot better. I mean, it's same as our oceans. A, a big thing for us, if you look after the, the habitat, the fish will do their own, do their business on their own. So, you know, it's, it's really important. So for me, there's a balance that we need to supply fish for everyone, and, and particularly with freshwater now, with fish farming and stuff, there's fish there that are great for it and others that aren't. You know, looking after all the river systems a lot better, especially for the old Murray cod and the old, you know, Murray Darling system. There, we really need to look at it better, because in the future, I'd like to see more wild fisheries harvested, as opposed to you know, fish farming and stuff in some cases as well. So, yeah, it's it it's it's getting better and better, and we've certainly got enough water this year, I tell you, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: With more than two decades of experience, McGlashan Media has evolved from a one-man photojournalist to a multimedia company specialising in ocean life, driven by Al's passion for fishing and the outdoors. Today, McGlashan Media is as much about conservation as it is about telling the amazing stories of what lives underwater.
0: Well, it's an interesting one because when I first started, it's so in the old days when we used to do all the magazines... It was literally fly by the seat of your pants. Oh, I've got a trip to Africa going there. I'm going to South Australia. i going to, you know, Midway Atoll. And it was as the trips came up. But as we do more and more TV and particularly Life on the Line really taught us it's about planning ahead. So now we're trying to do, at the moment, do a dock, uh, dock on striped marlin and, and show what an amazing species they are. Because it's when you think about it, fish like that, only bait ball in – On the south coast of New South Wales, a little bit New Zealand and Mexico. It's the only place on earth they do it, even though they're more widely distributed. So for us now, planning is right. We know the best time is, you know, February, March on the south coast. We need to be down there. We need to work around the moon. So, yeah, so a lot more of our trips are are trying to plan around that peak period. We didn't add in any of this flooding, which absolutely threw all my plans together to chaos but yeah it's it we are trying to plan more and we're going out now with a shot list so i used to just go and shoot everything that happened but now we're looking and go, right we want a close-up of a, you know using Stripe marlin's example swimming past with the eye looking at you so a lot of that sort of stuff and as i said though but this year we couldn't see them in the water it's been so green and dirty and like, it's just been one of those bloody hard years i tell you the, the team for me originally it was a bigger team, you know, with a production crew. You could have any, you could have hundreds of people on, you know, Blue Planet or something that would be astronomical. But a, we didn't have the budget for that, and b, for us, is that particularly with the fishing shows, is that we wanted to keep it obtainable, so it was always on trailer boats. So suddenly the crew of you know five or six shrunk down to three or four, and. And all of a sudden, everyone's wearing multiple caps. So, you know, you have a cameraman who is a drone operator. I was doing underwater and GoPros. And then you had to have someone else to catch the fish. And the funny thing is I found is I spent less time in front of the camera and more time behind producing as opposed to, you know, winding the fish up. These days, I want to get the shot instead of, you know, actually catching the fish. And it's now got the point where my young fella Cooper is doing his drone pilots course at school so that he can do all the drone work for us. Plus, I don't have to pay him as much. He doesn't know that bit, though, by the way. He hasn't actually worked that bit out. (laughs) I told him it was for board. (laughs) The
1: process of catching fish is a primal human instinct. For a conservationist like Al, it's essential that if he does kill a fish, he enjoys eating it.
0: I was always brought up if you kill it, you eat it, so you don't waste anything. And the interesting thing is, the more I learned, and this probably goes back to tuna champions, the more I learned how to look after the fish, the better it tasted. So the more adventurous you get with cooking it. Fishing, being out in the water is great, but I'm absolutely enjoying the other side of it coming home and actually cooking up the spoils of, I suppose you could say the spoils of the hunt. You know, that, you know, the other night, boards and I, my better half, we were cooking up, you know, King George Whiting and burgers. And the night before that, it was gummy shark. And, you know, it, it's the the great thing about fishing it's not just the time you spend on the water with your family and that's both commercial and rec because you know commercial's handed down through the family same as recreational fishing is that it's the other side too that you're doing it at you know at home you're sitting there cooking it up at the end of the day and there's something very enjoyable about eating or cooking up the fish that you've actually caught yourself I think we're just constantly discovering new ways to cook fish, and you know you better utilize fish that it used to be pretty bland. I think in the early days, you know, you just fish and chips was it, and a few things. You know, maybe bake it, but now that we're coming, especially now that we're so much more multicultural, that there's there's always new and different ways to cook fish, and yeah, it's almost to the point where the sky's the limit. Like we're doing, we were doing pizzas the other day with swordfish on it you know and it was absolutely magic and we grilled the swordfish and then put it on and then the night after that we went well hang on let's put tuna on there we had a yellowfin tuna but instead of cook, pre-cooking it and grilling it we just put it straight on as strips just right at the end so it was only just cooked and there's two totally different styles of pizza and man they were both bloody awesome I tell you
1: for many fishing is not a means to find themselves but to lose themselves for others it's the thrill of the hunt. For Al, it is how he gathers his incredible library of experience.
0: I think our biggest problem going forward at the moment is becoming is with pollution and with other elements that are, are having an effect on us that we really need to work on. So in Sydney here, I mean, even before the floods, the amount of rubbish and stuff going into the water is literally out of this world. So we're it's going to be really important that wreck and commercial work closer together to, to lobby governments because the stuff that's, you know, entering the systems isn't anything to do with any that one that fishes. It's all coming from, you know, as we, as the population goes up. And yeah, I think commercial wreck also, the more we spend or push to get spent on research, the more we understand the fish that we're working with or catching, the better we can manage them going forward because technology is a big thing of it too, that you think how we fish these days to, you know, even a decade ago, the tech we used to find fish that used to be a few people now that everyone uses is having an impact. But again, the key is everyone's got to work together. And if we understand the impact, we can better manage it. Well, for me now, it's the doco side. So we've we finished up, Fishing with Mates has finished last year. So we ran the last episode And this time, and it's to focus more, following in the footsteps, I suppose, of Life on the Line, the the story of the southern bluefin tuna, is to do more on that because that did exceptionally well too. Like people wanted, want to see more of that. So we want to show everything from freshwater to saltwater with, you know, we're starting, obviously we're trying to start with striped marlin and show what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and what we can do in the future. And it goes back to the crux of it that everyone's involved and if everyone has a, a better understanding of the fish, they appreciate more. And if they appreciate it more, they'll want to look after it. So it'll help everyone. And the key to that, we found, is that visual side that they actually get to, you know, not as many people get out in the ocean. If we can show them that, you know, on the big screen, you know, beautiful big marlins swim along, nothing wrong with taking one home to eat if you want to eat one, but understanding, appreciating them will make it better for, hopefully, for the next generation and get them fishing more.
1: Alice is much driven by wanting to get more people to experience the underwater world, be that in it or on it, as he is about being in or on the water himself.
0: Um, every day is different. Like, it, it's just, you cannot go out, you just don't know what you're going to see on the water, you know? Every day, like we went out oh, a couple of weeks ago now before all, all these floods came through and we're fishing for marlin and we saw something in the distance, what's that? Drove over, it's an upturned tinny, absolutely loaded with dolphin fish and kingfish. So, like, just thousands of them. So, well, the guys caught a few. I just jumped in and filmed them all, and there's, you know, all these little trigger fish and all these other crazy little fish around it, and you just go, how cool is this? And as I got back in the boat, turned around and looked back, and you can see, you know, Sydney in the background, and you look at it going, how cool is that? I've seen all these amazing tropical fish right on my doorstep. The only downside to the day was we didn't catch a marlin, so but we weren't complaining. We got fresh dolphin fish for dinner. Fishing's had a problem for Rex, is that because kids have been, you know, there's more and more regulations. They can't fish off this pier. They can't go there because it's marine park. They can't do these things. So, which has slowed them down a bit. With the element that, you know, they just go and play computers. But now, it's got a lot better with the fact that, well, I suppose you could say COVID. One of the advantages that it's got kids outdoors more it's got families outdoors more so it's really important that we get more kids and more people fishing both commercial and rec so going forward if it keeps we've got to I suppose harness that build that we've got at the moment and keep it going and get them inspired and get them enjoying it and so they can get more people out there fishing.
1: Stories are the essential building block of empathy and human connection. Since the beginning of time, storytelling has been used to connect, engage, inspire, heal and create a brighter future.
0: I'd probably have to say the first really big one I had was, and would you believe it's bluefin? So we were up here in Sydney and I had a couple of mates from down in Victoria calling up going, there's these 130, 140 kilo fish swimming around off Port Veri, like 10 miles out the front. I'm thinking, really? Look, this is, yeah, this is 10 years ago now, I suppose. It's unheard of, you know, or even probably a bit longer. And I went, that's it. And we were making Strike Zone TV, so my first ever TV series. So I turned around the camera and said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he goes, I don't know. I said, let's drive to let's drive to Warrnambool tonight. So within an hour, he's at my place. We drove all night, got there at 7 o'clock in the morning and drove out. And here's these massive fish blowing up that were, you know, all 100 plus kilos which no one had really heard of much you know at that stage are so just a rarity and they were everywhere and it took me a couple of days to hook one and then I fought it for seven hours and caught this damn thing and it was the first time we really got an idea of how important social media is being because while we we're fighting it we kept updating on social media and when we got back to the boat ramp there were thousands of people there to see. And it ended up being the biggest, I think it's still the biggest ever caught on 50-pound tackle. You know, 155 kilos and everyone went mad on it. Then we put it on the news. It was the first time they really got a news story, and then realised that the oceans are something that everyone's starting to get interested in. And that's something that we can all utilise that, you know, promoting it on on the media as a positive so everyone looks at it and goes, oh wow, that is really cool. Rather than poor old fishermen being sort of, you know, oh, they're destroying the ocean. If we can get our story out there then we can sell it the right way.
1: Al McGlashan is a specialist storyteller without peer. His expertise, enthusiasm and undying passion for all things related to the water makes him a rare and special marine species. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.